Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. How you doing? This is the brighter side. I am Ed Larson. And if I know one thing that's going on in your mind, you're saying, please, oh, please, oh, please do not make this episode about the election. We are sick of the election. I hate the election. Don't talk to me about the election, Eddie. You're, I trust in you to raise my spirits. Now, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to not talk about the election, but... I'm not necessarily going to raise your spirits. Uh, what we're doing today is I have one of my best friends in the world, a great human being, a, a longtime friend of the show, joining me, uh, Mr. Danny Bedrosian. Danny, how you doing, buddy? I love you. you. People who don't know Danny, first of all, get your head out your ass. Danny's a keyboard player for Parliament Funkadelic. He's got a million projects going on. Danny on Everything Podcast, Secret Army. Uh, he even has uh, a new single out dedicated uh, to the Armenians of Artsakh. Uh, so you can go check out this song and all the proceeds go to help the Artsakh Armenians. All right, you can go check that out at cdbaby.com slash cd slash Danny Bedrosian 3. Danny, how the fuck you doing, buddy? Good, I love you. Uh, I've been wanting to talk to you about this for the longest time. And I'm glad we're finally doing it. Yeah, likewise. I, I, you know, I feel like I'm back home when I'm on the brightest side. Because, you know, if I'm not mistaken, I think that I've done like three or four episodes of The Brighter Side, I think. You were our first guest. I know. The first episode. You were our very first guest. Yes. It's amazing. Loneliness. Loneliness. <laughs> oh, that yeah, right. Yeah, and then we did one on the road. We did one on the road. Yeah, and then you did a very special roundtable episode that people still hit me up about all the time where we just talked about funk. That's you, right. me and Marcus. That's and right. I believe one of your buddies came in with, with you. Yeah. And we just talked about the funk and gave everyone. Seriously, 
honestly, that episode has changed like hundreds of people's lives. I gotta like, go me, back. Like, and- like people have still hitting me up. Be like, thank you so much for teaching me about all that shit. And it's just like it was amazing. So nice. You're the man, Danny. Um, uh, g- glad Danny, to be here. You are one of the few people I know that does exactly what they've always wanted to do. And that is extremely rare in any profession. Uh, I remember when I met you, we were both cooks at Hooters in Tallahassee. That's right. And I remember you came up to me. You were, we were had a meeting, and I'd never met you before. And you're sitting in the front row. I'm like, who the fuck is this guy? And you got this P-Funk shirt on. And I'm like, who's I go up. I'm like, hey, I'm Ed. And you're like, oh, I'm Danny. And I was like, oh, cool shirt, man. He's like, oh, yeah, you know, I work with them. I'm like, no, you don't. I don't fucking lie to me. And, <laughs> and I was like, fine, we're friends. Right. And we became immediate buddies. And it's been and it's been a fun ride, man. Almost I'd say I've known you for like fifteen years or something crazy like that at this Longer, point. longer. I said about eighteen now. It's so crazy mm-hmm. to me. I love it so much. Mm-hmm. Well, one thing you are a man of many talents. And Thank you. the one thing that always surprised me about you, and one of the things you, you are a legitimate historian in Armenian history. Yeah, correct. Yeah, generally Middle Eastern studies, but like a concentration on Armenian history. Yeah, mm-hmm. like certified, degreed historian. Degree holding. Yes, went to the University of New Hampshire, graduated. <laughs> 2003, right? The year I graduated is also the same year I joined P-Funk. So graduated in June, May, something, and joined P-Funk in September. Mm -hmm. So pretty crazy. We've had many conversations about this, but I just think that before we get into what's going on in Armenia right now, if you could just give us like a brief history because unfortunately this is the problem with the armenian genocide Mm. is that a lot of people most people don't even know that it fucking happened right right. and it was a major deal and and no one really talks about it and so if you can give us just like a brief history on the armenian genocide so we know where we're coming from before we even talk about what's going on now right yeah you know because what i was going to do is because it's a because what we're dealing with now is an existential threat to Armenian culture and civilization as we know it. So in a lot of ways, you have to sort of give an overview of the Armenians' place in this area. An area that used to be called the Armenian yes. Highland. Basically our homelands in general. Both both. Ones that we still inhabit and ones that we have lost. Because Armenia must used to be a much bigger country than it is now. And in the ancient era... I mean, we've been around a long time, basically. Genetic evidence, um, archaeological evidence and genetic evidence have pointed to the fact that we... You know, when they do DNA tests of Armenians, they show that the Armenians have the closest affinity to those skeletons in the region that they test. So it's, we're the autochthonous aborigines of West Asia. We're West Asian aborigines. And so our people have been there since the very beginning of the peopling of West Asia. And um, 
They belong to an amalgam of Bronze Age and pre-Bronze Age tribes. They've been there for a long time. And unfortunately, their land, the land of the Armenian Highland, which just for people's perspective, today Armenia is just like 10% or less of what the original Armenian Highland was. Most of it is today in, in eastern Turkey, um, parts of northern Iraq, northern Iran, northern Syria, but then also in the southern Caucasus, uh, southern Georgia, and in Azerbaijan, the part that is at war right now. So uh, Armenia being a, a, yeah. a, 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 a people that have lived for many ages, have been around many millennia, um, they have suffered under empires, many warring empires. And a lot of times... Nine times out of ten, Armenia had to find a way to stratify itself or to, uh, to remain neutral, to remain at peace with two warring empires at either side of it. At almost all times in history, Armenia had to do this. They've always been sort of the buffer state in a world of imperialism. So at one time it was the Romans and the Parthians, uh, or one time it was Alexander the Great and the Persians, or one time it was uh, the Byzantines and the Persians, then it was the Byzantines and the Arabs, then it was the Mongols, then it was the Turks, then it was the Turks and the Safavids, and the Turks and the Russians, and then it was the Soviets, and it, you know, so just like over and over again have dealt with invasion, massacre, uh, enslavement, um, suppression, oppression, the taking of our land, the killing of our people, the burning of our cities, the burning of our villages, the stealing of our populations, the taking hundreds of thousands. You know, the, if you read the histories and the annals of the stories of Armenia, 300,000 were taken away into captivity. Like it just after every battle, I mean, our people were just just Jesus. and that's why we're all over the world today. <laughs> the diaspora is like the remains of people's who have either had to flee or were enslaved. Like, and that's literally what the diaspora is. And because we've been around a long time, our diaspora has also been around a long time. But 1915 culminated with sort of the most uh, finalistic solution sort of version of a genocide for the Armenians in terms of we've been massacred many times. Uh, 1915 was when the Ottoman Empire... Uh, one of the rule, the ruling body of the Ottoman Empire at that time, a group called the Young Turks, orchestrated the Armenian Genocide as a state-sponsored mass execution of the entire race of the Armenian people throughout the Ottoman Empire, which was the majority of historic Armenia. Most of the historic Armenian lands laid within the Turks' domination at that time. Now, the parts that weren't are the parts that we're now talking about today. The parts that survived are the parts that were in the Russian Empire and then the Soviet Union, and then they became independent, and then you have the war. Yeah. Yes. Oh, right. and then the war starts. Right. See, what, what I, the little bit that I know and why like a lot of people don't call it a genocide and why a lot of people, is like the Turkish claim it's not a genocide. They claim they were at war with Armenia. Right. And so they don't. But the truth is, they they weren't at war with you know the women and children they killed. Well, more you importantly, know, so it was you know that's the kind of the the main issue, right? Right. There's there's several layers of denial in the Turks' official state-sponsored version of denialism, which is taught to the children and like, 
you know, but the old people know what happened. Uh, even the young people who everybody really kind of knows what happened. I mean, it is state sponsored denialism and the most vehement, patriotic, nationalistic Turks are definitely a lot of people believe it didn't happen. Now, the reasons for that have to do with the official word for how they, you know, the thing was the, the Armenian people, they weren't from another country. They were the citizens of the Ottoman Empire. And they were considered also the loyal millet or the loyal community of the Ottoman Empire. They never rebelled, really. They weren't like, they were nowhere near as rebellious as the other subjects of the Ottoman Empire. And they were always considered very loyal and also were great contributors to the culture of the Ottoman Empire. Much of the Ottoman music, architecture, art, food, Theater, sports, uh, agriculture, uh, I mean, on and on and on. Medicine, law, banking, and mercantile projects were, were overwhelmingly Armenian in the Ottoman Empire. So um, really it was yeah. also a vast taking of land and property that they never want to give back. I mean, then you start talking about if they ever admitted to it, they'd have to, somebody might have to talk about reparations. And then where does that leave? I mean, the Armenian church alone has a right to take stupid amounts of territory in what is now modern day Turkey. They just choose not to. They actually have like a right that's beyond political because they're a church body. I mean, they, the amount of land the Armenian... The Armenian church was like the second biggest landholder after the sultan. You know, so like it wasn't just some little thing. They had yeah. groves and farms and just acres and thousands of acres, you know, just... So um, the amount of land that was stolen from the Armenians, you know, within the Armenians' homes... And everything down to every possession. I mean, it was just the wholesale massacre of the population, enslavement of the survivors, and Turkification of the survivors, and um, denial, state-sponsored denial, uh, under the mask of democracy and Western imperialistic tendencies, where it's like we look the other way at our fucked-up history, and... We're with the West now and we're allowed to hide this shit because we have money and bombs and we're in NATO and it's all of that. And then it brings you into the modern era. They, the, Turkey was really able to pull a good one in order to become like a world power. But they also wiped out their aboriginal population um, under the noses. I mean, and a lot of people were involved in the empire. I mean, a lot of people. In some cases, regular people. In some cases, they emptied the prisons and had the murderers kill everybody. In some, it, it was the police that did a lot of the killing. The army went in when they couldn't handle Damn. the local armies. I mean, it, and it went down to every man, woman, and child. Babies, the elderly, everybody was killed. And I mean, those who weren't were led on a death march where they were killed or tortured or sold into slavery or worse. And then some survived in refugee camps. Most of them died there. I mean, very few survivors, you know. And my, my family alone, there were 44 Jeez. family members were killed in my family alone during the genocide. We had like maybe three, four survivors. That's insane. And so how many people total are we talking about? Uh, it's 1.5 million people were killed in the Armenian genocide. Jesus Christ. Which was a majority of the Armenian population at the time. Now, what's interesting is that I think the Armenian diaspora, a large pop portion of which were survivors or descendants of survivors, um, 
always rallied for Western governments or the pe- the places they lived in to take part in admitting or recognizing the genocide. And many have, some haven't. Most of the times because of their alliances with Turkey vis-a-vis things that are going on in the world at the time. So like during the Cold War, Turkey had a lot of the West's bombs against the Soviet Union. Turkey was the West's Cuba if you're looking at the missile crisis and how that okay. all worked. That makes sense. You know, so um, the, there was a lot of reasons. Turkey today has the second largest NATO military power in the world. In the whole world. First is America. What? Second Turkey? is Yes. Of the NATO. In NATO. Yeah. Second is Turkey. Now, is, and that's why America is so into Turkey. And America isn't officially standing up for Armenia. And Israel is too. Israel is also aligned with Turkey and America in their general Middle Eastern policy. How they tend to see their... Uh, the emblematic relationship between the nations is sort of dictated within the frameworks of the policies of those three countries. Yeah, because let's face it, I mean, Israel is basically doing the same. This is coming from someone, a Jew. Uh, Israel's basically doing the same thing to Palestine as Turkey's doing to Armenia, correct? I think that there's some truth to be said about that. That could be that there could definitely be. And and unfortunately, you would think that Israel and Armenia would have better ties. You would hope because in the the past, you know, ancient history is very similar their histories. Um and uh uh but unfortunately, Israel sells top of the line military equipment to Azerbaijan knowing that Azerbaijan has been stockpiling their armaments to use pulling up to mickey d's just for drinks oh yeah that's me nothing extra just perfection and a straw coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block because there are drinks then there are drinks from mcdonald's mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for a dollar 49 perfect with our classic fries Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. On Armenians. All right. Thank you, Danny. That was a very important history lesson for us. Uh, we needed that immensely to even dive into the the madness that's going on right now. Also, uh, Amber's in here. What's going on, Amber? Welcome to the party. Hi, it's great to be here. Today is um, the day we were filming this before the election, the day before. So I did a very good thing to my brain, and that was turn off Twitter and then just read a book, work out, light a candle, clean. Feels good. Yeah. I let the audience know we're giving them their much-needed election break with this episode. And we're going to get into some, some history. I'll tell you what. The moment you think our country's fucked, uh, 
realize that there's a lot of other places that have it worse than we do. And, uh, and, and right now, Armenia is definitely top on that list. And so let's get into the, the war that's happening now. Why are people in Los Angeles taking to the streets? Uh, why are, you know, why, how come every time I go buy weed, there's an extra tip jar for Armenia? Uh, what, what's, what exactly is, is happening right now out there, Danny? Like, you know, we talked about the genocide that happened back in, you know, a hundred years ago, but basically it's never stopped. They've just like kept getting their land taken from them piece by piece, little by little. They're now a landlocked country that's a tenth of the size of what they used to be. And everyone around them seems to want a piece of them. And the one thing I feel like is worth noting, they're the only Christian country primarily in the area, correct? Yeah, I mean, Lebanon and Cyprus are nearby. Georgia's just to the north. Georgia, the country bordering it to its north, is a Christian country, too. Um, but uh, now, what's worse, that Georgia or our Georgia? <laughs> no comment. That's politically too sensitive. Russia says that they will get involved if um, uh, they get uh, if uh, not they get attacked, but if Armenia gets like like people coming in there gets attacked. Right. So if Armenia and now they are. So is Russia territory. coming in? Well, so that part is. I hate to use this word complicated, but it is. It's, that part is is socially complicated. There's the issue in terms of territory and borders and who's attacking who and where, what's going, has a lot to do with, you have to understand sort of the background of this little piece of territory called Artsakh, or sometimes it's called Nagorno-Karabakh. This little area um, is one of the old... Uh, provinces, the 10th province of the 15 provinces of greater Armenia in history, in the old days, like, so like 6th century BC to like the 5th century AD, it was part of that. And then over time fell to different warring empires and so on and so forth. But uh, there were five little districts in that area that were up in the mountains and everybody from Genghis Khan to Tamerlane, nobody really could go through it. They just kind of go around the mountain and be like, "We see you up there. We're not gonna. We're not gonna try to go up there. We're just. This is Mongol territory now." They'd be like, "The Armenians up there, like, what he say? What's he saying? You know." So like, nobody ever really got up the mountain. Is essentially the story of that of Artsakh. <laughs> And they were in the medieval days. It was called the Principality of Gachen. Yeah. It was totally autonomous, independent of all the Turkic uh, principalities that surrounded it and empires that surrounded it. Even when all the rest of greater Armenia was subjugated, even the parts that are like the Republic of Armenia now, like what we consider Armenia now, even when that was completely subjugated, this little area, this uh, forested mountain area was always like very, very uh, independently Armenian. And um, it fell under different empires. And they, uh, they remained, com the princes who ruled those lands compl stayed completely independent from the 1200s all the way to the 19th century. So all through all those wars when the Armenians were just getting massacred, they were like, Armenia was basically just like the, the, the battleground 
for these wars between all these warring empires and barbarian hordes just rolling over the land over and over again. Nobody ever got up there, and that remained independent. Then the Russians took it, and then the Russian Empire had it for a while, and then the Russian Empire became the Soviet Union. And at that time, all of those were still in there. That whole area, the Caucasus, was divided into um, little provincial units that had been put together either by the Russians or the Persians. They, they were just administrative units. There was no, like, Azerbaijan. This is, this is uh, Chechnya. This is that. Was, it wasn't like that. It was just different units. This is called the Yerevan government. This is called the Nakhchivan government. This is the Karabakh government. And they were just kind of like loosely administered areas. Eventually, those became Soviet republics. And Stalin was one of the ones drawing up the borders of these republics. And he ended up putting Armenian um, populated uh, mountain districts of Karabakh in the new Republic of Azerbaijan. Even though they didn't want to be part of it. And even though he also did the same thing with Nakhchivan, which is an Armenian place. It doesn't even touch the rest of Azerbaijan. He put that in Azerbaijan, too. And this was like Stalin's way of appeasing Ataturk. Were there people living in the mountains that were like, hey, wait a minute. I'm under whose thing now? Just like living blissfully, not knowing they were occupied by somebody else. For the most part, except for the fact that who controlled you would end up uh, delineating whether you'd be domineered over or not, ethnically cleansed or driven out of your land, even if you are a citizen of that people's province or that people's territory. So during Soviet times, though, it was fairly peaceful because the Soviet Union kept a, a, a lock on kind of inter-ethnic conflicts between the republics. However, it was, you know, Stalin's move of doing that, that was to appease Ataturk, the president of the New Republic of Turkey, who was making deals with the Soviet Union in order to appease these different... Again, it's just the interests of imperialistic powers over time. This is how it's gone every time in Armenian history, just different empires that are fighting over our land, and it's essentially who gets what and how they want to divide it up and how that... So the Armenians of Artsakh ended up in Azerbaijan, and they, Soviet Azerbaijan, and they were in Soviet Azerbaijan for 70 years. And then during uh, Gorbachev's era, late 80s, a period of, they call glasnost or openness, they were... The Artsakh Republic, the Karabakh, it was considered an autonomous republic within Soviet Azerbaijan. So it had its own autonomous power and it was allowed to vote on certain things. So they held a referendum in 88 saying they want to secede from Soviet Azerbaijan and join Soviet Armenia. Now, the Soviet Union didn't want them to do it at the time. But then a couple years later, Soviet Union collapses. All the republics declare independence. And the Armenians of Artsakh, being inside of Azerbaijan's SSR, but not being Azeri, and being, and being treated with disdain against by the Azeris, decide they want to secede. So they hold a referendum with a vote, 99% votes to secede. They secede. As a result, Azerbaijan starts pogroms ethnic cleansing on the Armenians in major cities in Azerbaijan, in the Azeri capital, Baku, and in another city, Sumgait. And uh, mm. many people I even know down here in Tallahassee, Armenians in Tallahassee, are 
are remnants of survivors who came from those pogroms in uh, 88 to 91. Then after that was the war. The Armenians of Artsakh fought against Azerbaijan. So they got out of Azerbaijan and went to Florida? And Los Angeles and all over the world. Oh, yeah, all over the place. Armenians are... They're scattered everywhere, kind of like, kind of like the Jews became yeah. after the Holocaust. You know, Jews ended up in China. They ended up in South America, and, and they, you know, America and everywhere. And so that's it's kind of what is happening to to their culture as well. Yeah. So that conflict in the '90s, the Armenians actually actually won that war and were managed to secure the the republic as a separate entity. And for people who don't know a lot about Armenian history, it's not the weirdest thing in the world for there to be more than one Armenian country. So, yes, today there are two separate independent Armenian countries. There's the Republic of Armenia, and then to the east of it, there's the smaller, the Republic of Artsakh. I mean, because if you went back a thousand years, let's go back like 1,000 years. 1,000 years ago, there were no less than eight, eight or nine different Armenian countries, totally separate from one another with different kings, different laws, not to mention the fact that the Byzantine emperors and the kings of Georgia were almost all Armenian too. So, so, you know, there was multitudes of Armenian countries. So it's not a weird thing for there to be two different Armenian countries, if you will. That being said, um, Azerbaijan's official thing is that this is our land, this is our uh, uh, internationally recognized borders, and da 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 da. But the problem is, they don't want the people who live there to live there. That's the issue. They want to cleanse the lands of, of the Aboriginal Armenian population that's been there since the beginning of time. Genetically tested, autochthonous yeah. population of Artsakh. And fill it with essentially colonists, which has been what has been happening to greater Armenia since a thousand, twelve hundred years ago, since the Turks arrived a thousand years ago in the Middle East. It's been colonizing our land, essentially, is what it is. Yeah. So I know it's sort of a nationalistic standpoint. Why? So but this is also a war between Christianity and Islam, right? Is n- that no. big war between it? That's I, what this is about? No. Right? That's, it's used It's used by more some media. Land. That's what my Uber driver told me. Well, well, it's true that Armenia is a Christian country, and it's true that Azerbaijan is a Muslim country, but religion does not uh, define this war, this conflict at all from either side for a number of reasons. For one, um, just real briefly, not to get too deep into this part, but uh, Armenia has a national church that's separate yeah. from and distinct from all church bodies and is one of the few Christian churches that doesn't believe in divine interference in other people's business. <laughs> um, as 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 uh, uh, Cornell Tell West, that to Indiana Jones. As Cornell West put pretty pretty well, that the Armenians were always able to sort of balance the good quote unquote good part of Christianity, love thy brother, and mix it with the Socratic thought of Athens, the questioning of all things, divine and otherwise, and putting those two things together. So Armenia's yes, it's a it's an ancient Christian country, but by no means fundamentalist. Um, in in ret- in in turn. Even in defense of Azerbaijan, they being a part of the Soviet Union for 70 years are very uh, non-religious in their religiosity. It is not like even Turkey. It's not like Pakistan or any of those or Saudi Arabia. 
Their Islam is an Islam that was under 70 years of Soviet atheist rule. Most of them don't even go to mosque. It's not, it's not uh, religious. However, religious context has been put to it by foreign powers and people who choose to make that into a thing. And also, the, uh, the, what makes this war this time, the second Karabakh war, different from in the 90s, is that there are outside players that are also helping Azerbaijan much deeper than in the 90s. Turkey is facilitating Azerbaijan with a huge amount of drones, military personnel, and commandos, as well as over 2,300 ISIS fighters from Syria and, and, and Turkoman terrorist fighters from northern Syria that they've put in Azerbaijan. They said, we give you $2,000 and $100 for every Armenian you behead. And they've put them in there like saying, here, you're, it's a, oh, it's a jihad, it's a religious war. But every one of them, and they've caught a lot of these guys and killed a lot of them. They've, and they've captured a lot of them. And almost all of them have said the same thing. Either they didn't get paid or they showed up and they're like, we didn't know we were fighting with Shiites. The Azeris are technically Shiites. They were upset about that. Other ones were upset when they realized it wasn't really a religious war at all. Can't it's, trust ISIS. Yeah, it's, a lot of them realize that it it's not, doesn't have a religious context. Like yeah, were, ISIS told me they give me 50 bucks. Right. Well, that's, I mean, those are the type of people, you know, the ISIS mentality people, they thought they were going in there to do kill kafirs and like they're doing like God's work, so to speak. But really they're being used as human shields by the Azeri army. And they're getting wiped out in bigger numbers than the Azeris. The only difference is there's no... A crying mother That's picking their dead side. body up off the ground like the Azeris. <laughs> you know, they're just, they're just left there. And those are the ones who you know are yeah. the terrorists. They're the ones, the bodies that are left on the field. But, um, but yeah, Azerbaijan has oh, a lot of help. And, and, and Israel is selling them drones. And really, the other crazy thing about this war, I mean, we've already lost a lot of territory in Artsakh in this month and a half of this war and it has to do with Azerbaijan's superior military dominance as all Israeli and Turkish and NATO and Western military uh, mostly drones these drone attacks this is like a new you know all the people who are like gun porn people like military impossible to defend military pornography people who go online and want to see like war and battles and people getting blown up and shit like this they're all saying this is the first time we're seeing the, a new type of warfare on the ground. So, I mean, the drones have been, uh, unfortunately, very successful in this. And the existential threat is that, you know, really they, their aim is to wipe out Armenians and Armenian culture. And, and unfortunately, the, the stories on the ground, from, even from the last few days, weeks, hours... Civilians killed, executed, exterminated, women and children targeted. Uh, it's, it's just been really, really bad. And unfortunately, unlike in the 90s where it was just sort of like an us versus them, it's our territory. We do the, you know, when you're on your land, it's very hard for the enemy to defeat you when it's your land. But then when you have the advanced uh, yeah. technology of a kid playing Xbox. Flying murder robots. You know, you know, uh, nowhere near the battlefield, and with the superior technology, they're 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 winning, as far as I can tell, or at least they've 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 gained some ground. Is that. anybody helping Armenia? Well, the unfortunate answer, the short answer to that is no. The Armenians are helping Armenians, and that's about it. Um, but um, the Armenian diaspora has raised an enormous amount of money in aid and funds 
to the Armenians, like an enormous amount in a very short period of time. Um, we do have allies. There are countries that are friendly to our cause that I think like feel for us and are sort of on our side uh, philosophically, if you will. Um, just to name a few, Iran, Russia, mm-hmm. France, Greece, Cyprus, Lebanon, um, India. But they are not helping on the ground or anything like that. That's not happening. And Russia does have a security pact with Armenia. It's a major security pact that goes across several countries in Eurasia. Um, but, you know, not until they say Armenia is getting attacked. But uh, cities in Armenia's Sunik province have already been bombed, like Amber, like you said. So that has already happened, and we haven't necessarily seen any kind of... Uh, Maybe that's on its way, you know, some kind of Russian response. I don't know. I don't really know. But they do have a very important security pact with Russia that's supposed to sort of help when something like this happens, you know. But but the Russians are, aren't, correct me if I'm wrong, but aren't they also allied with the Azerbaijan? Well, that's the problem, is that Russia's role, I'd say, again, is is philosophically probably more pro-Armenian and even the ruling party is probably slightly more pro-Armenian too but they're both former republics of the Soviet Union and Russia sells arms to both of them as well as Turkey and other countries I mean Russia's arming everybody you know it's not uh, you know so it's the kind of thing and you'd like Iran to come in and help but they have to walk a fine line as well so it's it's a really it's a dangerous sort of uh, diplomatic situation with all these. And it's more empires. It's empires again. Empires waging, yeah. wait, make, trying to make deals in these proxy wars. And like um, Russia brokered two ceasefires which, yeah. that, that, that Azerbaijan broke. And then Trump did a ceasefire, which Azerbaijan broke in like minutes. And that's been, you know... The West has basically just sat and kind of watched while people died, unfortunately. And a lot of people have died already on both sides, really. How many people are we talking? Well, Azerbaijan does not release records of soldiers or civilians killed. Um, they also don't let reporters into their country. They, their president, Aliyev, he makes Trump look like Winston Churchill. He's like a tweeting <laughs> maniac. He's been in power 17 years, took over from his daddy, you know, whereas Armenia is a, one of those, you know, whereas Armenia has been a Republic since 91, but just had a major nonviolent revolution that brought in the newest prime minister, Pashinyan in 2019, completely unprecedented nonviolent um, revolution, which is unprecedented for this part of the world. And, um, Allows reporters in from mm-hmm. from all countries, any country, from anywhere, and allows free speech. Uh, Azerbaijan has one of the worst records for jailed journalists in the world. It's only right behind Turkey, which has the most. And Erdogan, the president of Turkey, Damn. is just orchestrating this from all sides. He wants a new Ottoman Empire. And he even said to his parliament, we're going to finish the job. It's speaking about... Uh, genocide denial, Ed. This is where this stuff always gets weird. We're going to finish the job our grandfathers mm-hmm. started. That's what he said in Turkish Parliament. We're going to finish the job our grandfathers Jesus. started. With reference to the Armenian offensive. 
And yet they say they yeah. didn't. Yet they say their grandfather didn't. I thought they. I thought they. You know. So which one is it? Your grandfather's killed us. Or your grandfather's didn't kill us. Which one? You know what I mean? You're gonna finish the job, but like that's it literally depends on who they're talking to. You have the president of Azerbaijan soccer club saying it's our job to kill every Armenian man, woman, and child. Press release. Every Armenian man, woman, and child, they all need to be killed. Every single one of them. This is modern. This is today. Like, this is right now. This is insane. This is insane. I mean, it's, it's going down. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks... Then, there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, We've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support so you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. Down hard. Can you give us a worst case and a best case scenario just so we know what to fucking root for and look for? Well... The worst case scenario is that Azerbaijan takes the land of Artsakh completely away from Armenian controlled hands because these they they will after the people are gone they will finish the cultural genocide and destroy these I mean there are monuments and sculptures and stones there that are from millennia ago from the Armenian cultural tradition. They're going to destroy all of that because that's Azerbaijan's thing. They've destroyed yeah. everything they could get their hands on that's Armenian. They're going to continue doing that. They're going to kill every Armenian they find. That's what they've done so far. Meanwhile, we take in their prisoners and treat them really nice and feed them because unfortunately the Armenians deal with this existential hate our whole lives. It's like a psychological uh, generational trauma. We know there's these whole people that hate us. They hate us. They want us all to die. Now, how do you live with that? You get used to that over time. You live with, do you hate them back? Oh, when you're young and you're radical, you think you hate them back. And that's a whole thing. And then you go through this, like I went through this whole softening in the whole period of ceasefire where I started meeting younger Turks that were believed in modernity and even a couple of Zeris who did, which is even more rare. And I started softening my opinion. Maybe the world can come together and then... This happens together, and all the vitriol comes back out. No. In Lyon, France, where we play with P-Funk all the time, we play a major festival there. Um, it has a huge Armenian population, Lyon, yeah. France. The Turks, the Grey Wolves, which is like a Turkish, like, nas- ultra-nationalist, like, fascist type of Nazi type of group, um, went to the streets, parading through with knives and swords. Where are you, Armenians? Come out, Armenians! So they could come and attack Armenians, stab them, and kill them. And this has been like, this is in Europe. I mean, this is way far away. Oh, yeah, I saw that video. Yeah. And they're just like marching through the streets. And now we've played on those streets. I know Armenians who live on those streets. I mean, as well as, I mean, more importantly, I know Armenians who are in Artsakh and, and and, you know, who are on the front line right now. In fact, a lot of my friends, they'd be hitting me up on Zoom or Skype or Messenger and like, hey, 
Do you know what's going on, brother? Let me tell you what's happening today. Because, like, the media, you have to go on, like, Al Jazeera, even that, like, it's interesting. Indian media, media has done a ton in this news cycle with, like, on-the-minute reporting. Indian. Like, they, they've, like, taken by far the most um, extensive stance. The what's West their neighbor? They're concerned. Yeah. The West doesn't want to do anything about it because you know, Azerbaijan and Turkey picked out the perfect sight, time. COVID, election. They picked the perfect time. To, to do the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think after an election, somebody, whomever wins, will step in and do something about it? Well, I, I don't want to sound publicly like I'm pro one person or anti one necessarily, but I think Trump won't because I think that his general... Or just whomever would win. Yeah, well, I just think that his... I think his general um, role in in foreign affairs is completely step away and have nothing to do with any of it really um in addition you know he said this thing he was like armenians oh you're good people you're wonderful people we're gonna help you out it's gonna be easy he even said his exact words are this is an easy one this is an easy one (laughs) yeah thank you we're talking about (laughs) <laughs> we're talking about a thousand years a thousand years of imperial conquest of our lands yeah this is gonna be real easy this is this will be simple um and and you know his ceasefire didn't last also you know uh, under his i don't want to turn this into too much of a trump thing but he has very strong relations with the azeris and the turks and they give some crazy 20, 30, 40 times more money to Azerbaijan than they do to Armenia in in federal budget. This is Trump's federal foreign budget. I'm not talking about the guy before him or yeah. the guy before that. I'm talking about Trump specifically because it used to be more in Obama's time. It okay. was more for Armenia than for Azerbaijan specifically. And now it's but now it's like it was only a little bit more like now it's like, whoa, like a hundred million or something to Azerbaijan yeah. and like 15 to Armenia or something like that. So it's a big difference. So Trump's not going to do anything. Biden, I will say historically that Biden does have a very good uh, understanding of both West Asia, which is where this is happening, the Near East in general, and the Balkans. He was the first guy who said that Iraq should be um, partitioned way before that was a popular idea. And then Iraq partitioned itself like he called it way like when it was appropriate and then it was it became very inappropriate yeah. and it's actually happening like you know he's smarter when it comes to this stuff but i don't necessarily think i think he's also fairly status quo the west in general has not necessarily helped the armenians i feel like over and over again historically the armenians have been like can you guys help us we believe in freedom, freedom of speech. We love learning and democracy. We love all that stuff. And the West has been like, yeah, but you don't have any oil. Don't have any gold. Don't have any, <laughs> don't have any gas. Don't have any, you know, like, and at the end of the day, it's just kind of been after, after the genocide, that was the last of the Armenians having like most of our land. And we were kind of stripped of most of that. What we have left, we're very much in a very fragile position you know vulnerable position but 
That being said, the Armenians have been steadfast and strong because they're a strong warrior culture that's always had to defend themselves against crazy, huge odds. Imperial, you know, it's always been like 400,000 soldiers of the Persian army march upon Armenia, whatever. Genghis Khan's hordes march yeah. upon, like over and over. Alexander the Great, whoever you want to name, they've been able to fight it off and the they mountains. are holding true. The, the soldiers are, key. are They're motherfuckers, man. Them soldiers is, is some... Well, I hear that people living in the mountains are being burned out. Like uh, Azerbaijan is going in there and burning down out the people in the mountains. Right. So the main right? purpose, they're using white phosphorus to burn down these forests. Now, these are also, this also goes against the Geneva and all that stuff. And it goes against all the codes that all the countries in the world have signed because this white Fighting phosphorus Fighting with ISIS stuff, probably does as well. Well, this, this stuff, white phosphorus is pretty deep. And it can burn basically until there's nothing left for it, like until it's done touching anything. It just keeps burning over and over, down underground, and in. it's it's insane. These forests are ancient, ancient forests, and more importantly than the people living there, yes, there's many people living there, but more importantly than that, I think this is probably cover. This is to lift some of the cover from the soldiers. I think the the Artsakh soldiers who are trying to liberate those lands. You know, there's still, most of the area is very hotly contested still. So I, I'm seeing people trying to draw maps of like land taken and like where it's at. It's still hard to see. It's like hour by hour, it's ebbing and flowing. But like all the people in Artsakh, the Armenian people there, the ones who haven't fled, I think about half have fled. The other half are living literally underground. They're living in shelters in the cities. And the ones in the rural areas... Caves. Have either fled or have been yeah. killed. Yeah. Damn. Now, let me ask you about this. The most famous family on earth is Armenian, the Kardashians. Are, are they helping? Is there, are they bringing aware? I don't know what's going on. Are they hand, hand, helping out or? Well, like I said, the Armenian diaspora is definitely, especially in, in the Americas, have definitely, and not just the U.S., like U.S. and Argentina and Canada. The, the Armenians of the Western Hemisphere have donated goo gobs of money, especially the wealth. I mean, there was this wealthy Argentine Armenian who donated $3.5 million. Um, as far as I Damn. know, Kim Kardashian donated a million, but I think her sisters also donated. Um, so, and they speak on it. They do speak on it, and they do have large... You know, that's the, the interesting thing. Like, I was on an, an Armenian show, and he had asked me to speak to the Armenian community and say, like, what, what can we do? And, like, I, I told him it was, like, a really important question all Armenians have to ask themselves because all of the Armenians are such good individuals at doing, like, individual things. You need to, like, look inside yourself and say, like, what mm -hmm. is my role? What can I do to... You know what I mean? And my, I just think that like my role as a musician, as someone who deals with globalism, is I can speak about this, tell people donate to Armenia Fund, you know, give the, you know, help how you can, and um, and just spread the word. Like I'm on Instagram like crazy, just posting stories so that non-Armenians can see what's going on. Most specifically, because Armenians only make up between five and fifteen percent of my overall audience. My audience is pretty big in terms, I mean, pretty mixed in terms of different demographics. And I can actually get this message out to my Japanese fans, my African-American fans, my European fans, my, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, um, 
Getting this, the word out honestly, is important. This shit wouldn't even be on my radar if it wasn't for you. Right. You know, and it's I think that's what's most important about it. You know, it's because it's not getting the news play. We're in a crazy news cycle right now. Yeah. But, you know, like we said earlier, between the election and COVID and, you know, just riots in our streets, you know, and, and, and the border, everything's fucked over here right now. Right. And so we're not even Everywhere. barely hearing about it. I yeah. don't hear about only time I what made me start realizing was you posting uh my buddy our buddy James Adomian posting and mm -hmm. watching just watch looking around and noticing that one out of every three cars that drives by has an Armenian flag sticking out of it. And so I'm like, all right, what's going on? I gotta start I gotta get off my fucking ass and and start figuring out what's happening here. Yeah. A lot of uh, white BMWs, right? I notice a lot of uh, Armenian flags on white BMWs. Is that like a thing or people just like it? I mean, it's a rich car. It looks pretty cool to me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is a rich car. It's a nice car. They'll get some nice cars now. The, the Escalades and the, and the BMWs. Nice. And yeah. The, yeah. Well, you guys are out there. So, I mean, that's the biggest. I mean, where you guys live is the biggest Armenian population in the Western Hemisphere. And it's also the third biggest Armenian area in the whole world. Really? Wow. I ate at Armenian restaurant the other day, packed with Armenians. I was six feet away, don't worry, but it was packed. Uh, the food was amazing. Oh, yeah. Ooh, it was so good. All homemade. All homemade. People yep. like took real pride in making their food. Yep. And it was a little boy's birthday party, and it was real exciting. Nice. It was real nice. Yeah, and every Armenian no, a lot can of white cook. BMWs. And every Armenian will tell you that the next Armenian is doing it wrong. Oh, yeah, they did it like that, but we know what they really need to do. They need to add a little bit of this. this you know, it's always the... <laughs> like, there's always, like, the cooking shish kebab. I got, a, I got a personal question for you. Go ahead. <laughs> Have you ever played turkey? with? Because Parliament Funkadelic is on the road a lot. Have you ever played like any of these places that are warring with Armenia? And what was that like for you? Well, we played the Republic of Georgia, which is just to the north of Armenia, in a city, Batumi, mm -hmm. which has a ton of Armenians and is only just a few miles away from the Armenian border. And even more weirdly, um, was, you know, ruled by Armenian kings for many years. So, like, it was you know, very very cool experience and like everything in Georgia was really cool but then on the way back we had to go through Turkey we actually went through the Ukraine on the way but we couldn't go through Ukraine on the way back and so we had to go through Turkey for some reason and I was dreading it because uh, there was one time we were supposed to play in Turkey and they were gonna leave me in Amsterdam and then come back and get me afterwards but that show got canceled so I think they just won't hire us in general because there's an Armenian keyboard player. They're probably just trying to stay away from that in general. But um, going through Fair Turkish enough. customs was deep, though, too, because, yeah, it was weird. I felt like it was it was it felt strange, you know, because the Armenians who still live in Turkey, even in Istanbul in the big city, they're treated like third class citizens. I mean, now it's even worse because Turkey is at war with, you know, the, and the people who live in their country always suffer. You know, the Armenians who live under the Turks, and now they have to suffer because Turks fighting against Armenians, you know, so it is all of that. Um, yeah, it's, a, it's crazy. So this is the brighter side. And <laughs> right. I, I do appreciate you coming on. And obviously this is a very intense situation on what's going on. And there isn't like, you can't really say, like, oh, you know, but this is happening, so it's good. You know, that's not happening today. So right. the... the 
if you could tell me, I asked you earlier, what's the best case scenario here? What's what's the best thing that could happen for for Armenia for peace in general? Yeah, for peace. You know, I mean, do you ever see them? Well, what do you think? The best case scenario is for Artsakh to keep. Hopefully, its Armenian population be able to stay there and rule over themselves in peace. Because if anybody, if the Azeris rule over them, they're going to kill them. They don't. There is no. The Azeris' only way to end this is to cleanse those lands of Armenians. So the, the, the best case scenario is for that land to stay in our hands uh, because it's an ancient part. It's one of the few parts that we still inhabit, you know, so that would be the best case scenario. And for it to be recognized probably as an independent country around the world, um, you know, probably separate from Armenia. If it has to join with Armenia, okay, fine. But, like, probably the recognition of Artsakh right now, because they do have separate leaders and separate everything. You know, the recognition of that country now by foreign countries would obviously make a big difference in terms of, you know, international borders and the violation of said borders, which is, you know, sort of the, the the issue at hand here or, you know, the loss of life is really the issue at hand. But that would be the best thing for it just to stop and then be able to hopefully go back into their homes and and continue on living, you know, essentially the same way that they have been for thousands of years, you know. Well, I really hope so, man. I think, I, I you know, a lot of times things just need to get bad before they get better. And I, it's obviously what's happening now. And uh, I really hope that they're able to pull through. And is there? Can you tell people uh, any way they can help if they feel like they should help, or a good place to learn more about this stuff? Yeah, I mean, definitely the um, the Armenia Fund. Armenia Fund is raising, has been raising money. I think they're like on 170 million dollars, something like that. That's who I sent all of my donations from my single to this last time. Um, I tend to vary with the uh, organizations I work with. Just I don't give all to anyone. But that is a good one right now for what's going on, Armenia Fund, and they're definitely you know, providing a lot of information. There's this another company called One Armenia that did a great concert that I think you can still see on YouTube or whatever with a whole bunch of different Armenian artists, musicians. Not me, but other ones that are really, really great that... Um, that that, you know, yeah. did performances for Artsakh and stuff like that. And then just, you know. System of a Down do it? Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, Serge Tankian did it, the lead singer. Yep. Yep. Rock and roll. <laughs> <laughs> well, Danny, uh, Amber, do you have any closing thoughts? Uh, I I think this, I think you're, you're so smart, Danny, and you're so compassionate, and I really appreciate everything you do, and You've dedicated, whether you know it or not, you've dedicated your life into bringing happiness to people. And, uh, and that's, uh, you know, a mitzvah on its own. And so thank you for everything you do. Uh, Amber, do you have have anything else? Uh, thank you for coming on the show and um, enlightening all of us. I am certainly a little bit smarter because of you. Um, and thank you for um, your beautiful kebabs that I had the other day. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you guys for having me on. It's like always, always a pleasure to be on here. And um, thank you so much for allowing me to have the time to say all of this about what's going on because you know like in this day and age it really is like an a, an information war and we're just trying to get the truth out to as many people as possible just so the world knows because 
They just want to erase us and spread lies and stop our existence. So um, the right to live is very much in effect right now. So thank you so much for allowing me to have like a platform to say something. Dude, you're amazing. You know, you know, I love you forever. Everybody, thank you. This has been the brighter side. Uh, DannyBedrosian.com. Go check out Danny's podcast, Danny on Everything. It's amazing. He has really smart people on and really funky ass people on all the time. Uh, he's a keyboard player for Parliament Funkadelic. If you don't listen to Parliament Funkadelic, I don't know what the fuck your problem is. Uh, go check out his other band, Secret Army. They jam hard as fuck when they get out and hit the road. It's honestly one of the better live shows you'll ever see. Danny's signal single dedicated to the Armenians of Artsakh. Go check it out. CDbaby.com slash CD slash Danny Bedrosian 3. All proceeds go to the Artsakh Armenians uh, support today. And if you'd like to make an additional donation, you can send it to uh, Danny via PayPal. Uh, his PayPal address is info at DannyBedrosian.com. All proceeds go to the Armenians of Artsakh. Uh, uh, due to increased need for additional places like Arksaw, saw they're now extending the release to the armenians there as well twitter boz at boz funk b-o-z-f-u-n-k at brighter side lpn at amber smelson at eddie tunes underscore at last podcast network instagram danny bedrosian uh by the way bedrosian is b-e-d-r-o-s-i-a-n uh the brighter side lpn amber smelson eddie tunes nando please be nice uh last podcast network amber's cooking show every week i loved your lizard amber it was so Thank great. You. You're so amazing every week. It is honestly the most Danny. You got to get into Amber's cooking show. I got to check the this out. It's the most consistent art form I think I've ever seen. Damn. It's on YouTube. Yeah, it's on my Instagram. It's on our Instagram. Yeah, on YouTube. You, okay, I'll check it out. It's honestly they're like five six minutes each, and they are like on it to put it your way deep. It's deep. Okay. okay. You got to get into it. It's, a, it's, it's fucking, it's, it's the best. Uh, also, go check out uh, Amber's Patreon. Uh, Patreon.com slash Amber Smelson. Uh, How America Killed My Mother is out. Go check it out at HowAmericaKilledMyMother.com. When you watch the movie, the first song in the movie is Danny's song. It's nice. a Secret Army song. Yeah. So get into it, man. Yeah. Don't, don't insult me. That's you know. Right. So I really appreciate that. You also uh, you you gave us some other wonderful music that we use in the movie, and it really helps uh, tie the whole story together. I can't thank you enough. Go to oh, How America Kills on Twitter. Uh, you can uh, share your story with us. Sticker giveaway is coming. I sent the bunch out yesterday. I hope people can get them during the stress of the selection, and you'll be relieved a little bit of the madness for even one second. I I hope that you get it. Um, this show is free on Spotify and part of the Last Podcast Network. Um, the Last Podcast Twitch channel. Go check it out. There's all kinds of... We've been show, doing shows there like madmen. Uh, there's one coming out tonight, if you're listening to this, uh, So, uh, but you probably can't see it live, but go check it out. All the replays are available on the last podcast Twitch channel. Uh, watch it there. Class United. Thank you, Fernando, for all the hard work you do uh, on this show and a bunch of others. The song of the week this week is Grail Disgusting Fire off of Secret Army's new upcoming album, Exaltation. Now, let me tell you about this. We have 
an exclusive here. This is this album is not. I mean, this album's not out. This not song out has yet. not been released. Danny is leaking this song to the brighter side. We are we're in it. I got fucking hookups, you cocksuckers. That's right. All right, so get in there and go listen to this song, Grail Disgusting Fire, uh, off of the new upcoming Secret Army album, Exultation. It should be out soon. Uh, Danny, I love you. Fucking funk forever, man. I love get off you your too, ass, man. Jam. You're the best, dude. Thank you, Ed. <laughs> Thank you, Amber. I love you guys. I, have me back. I love the brighter side. I got so much love for the brighter side. Thank you so much. Ah. Thank, Thank you. you pal. Our first guest. Remember, Amber? Our first guest. On our, was. Uh, the loneliness episode. So it's it's this is beautiful. Uh, 200 and something episodes later. Uh, Damn. Still as cool as fuck. And your beard's, your beard's just as uh, beautiful as ever. <laughs> All right, guys. And we're still lonely from COVID. <laughs> <laughs> Lonelier than ever. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Here it is. Take it away. Grail Disgusting Fire, the premiere here on the brighter side of the last podcast network exclusively on Spotify, you fuckers.
This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia.